I have a message on my heart today called The Work That God Gave Me To Do. And we're closing up this series that we've been in, Why Does the Local Church Matter? Because there are so many people that are, are hurt by institutional church or by harsh church leadership or unfortunate circumstances. And they are motivated by that pain to try and redefine church in such a way that it no longer needs you to be there in person or serving other believers or under God-appointed leaders watching over your spiritual life who are going to be accountable to God. There are a lot of people who are trying to redefine church and say local church is not the thing and come to our whiz-bang, whatever it is. And uh, I could not uh, disagree with that more if you tried. I mean, I, I just don't buy that. I'm local church faith guy. I believe that people need to love one another and serve one another and be watched over by somebody who has the weight and the fear of God on them that I'm going to give an account for how I look after these people. I just think that should be there. So merely listening to what somebody teaches is not enough for your spiritual development, but you need a local body of believers where you can love one another and serve one another and work out God's plan in your life in the context of a local group of people. Can I get an amen? So we examined this idea of why the local church matters and, and why giving to a local church matters and why committing yourself in fellowship and being accountable to grace and serving others with your grace are really absolutely essential to your spiritual development, which I believe they are. And last week, we took a look at how essential it is for us to have power and the presence of God manifested among us as basic gospel science. Now, I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm to the bone end on that. And everything about the shepherd inside of me wants to gather the flock and lead them to quiet waters and make sure they're eating well and keep them safe. And everything that I see in the scripture about the wolf is he wants to scatter the flock and chase the shepherds away. So watch out for people who want to attack the shepherds and scatter the flock. The flock needs to be together. Can I get an amen from the shepherds in the room? So that's just... But I'd like to talk today about the work that God has assigned to you. One of the things that literally does beat in my heart is that I, I say this word when we speak about church growth, I don't measure the success of the church by how many bodies we have in chairs. It's nice when, it, when there's a lot of bodies in chairs. But I measure the success of Northlands not by that metric, but by how many of you we're able to inspire and to equip and to launch in to what God has called you to do. It's not the amount of people, it's not the amount of sons that come into the house, it's the amount of sons and daughters we can launch out into the call of God. That's the metric of measurement that I think is going to be the interesting one. That's the stuff that Jesus is going to measure us by. Did you equip my bride for works of ministry? Because that's fundamentally what ascension gifting is called to do. So I, I have this thing that beats in my heart. I, I, want to, I want to constantly equip you to go and do the thing God called you to do. And I'm absolutely, I love the message today. I was like, uh, I had so many different, I had multiple messages to preach. And I said, I actually want to preach this one because this thing resonates in my spirit. And I wanted to just, I just wanted to let it out there for a little bit. And so here we go. All believers uh, have, a, have a common call to work, to work for God, to do the works he prepared in advance for you to do. We share this calling to accomplish works. And work is considered the sacred thing throughout the scriptures. 
Jesus, many prominent New Testament figures spoke about their need to accomplish the work God had assigned them. This implied that they knew what God had assigned them. They knew what they were called to do. Jesus said, I must finish the work of him who sent me. I've got to be about my father's business. And every time they said, Jesus, you need to just come here. He goes, uh, yeah, I've got to go and do what my father wants me to do. There is work for me to do. Jesus, come here, we'll make you king. Yeah, I've got to go do this because there's something in me that is drawing me, compelling me. I must finish the work of my father. So I have to ask you, do you know the work God has assigned you? So I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because if I can provoke and inspire and maybe, maybe equip some of you today to go and pursue the work that God has for you, spend time well spent. Our passion is to see you launched and inspired into all the call of God on your life. And I want to motivate you and activate you towards the high calling of God on your life. So I want to take a look today at what God has for you and see if I can't equip you to move downfield in that. In the creation story, God gave Adam work before he gave him a woman. Now, the, the young men, can I just say, uh, you need to find employment before you find a wife. Is that, is that all the young women should say, amen, right? Payment before a partner, work before a wife. Ladies, let him find himself before he tries to find you. I had two rules with my daughter. One, he must love Jesus. Number two, he better know where he's going because if he doesn't, I'm going to head for distance. And look at him now. <laughs> Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Gave him responsibility. Let's just drop down to verse 18. And the Lord God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. To engage all of your person, along with all of your gifts and all of your attributes in a specific purpose is to work. And God has called you with all that is inside of you, with everything that you are, with all the strengths and abilities and desires, there is a work for you to do. And he means for you to exert yourself in a direction in order to see it fulfilled. There's not a single person within the sound of my voice that doesn't have a God-assigned beautiful dream and purpose on this planet. You are the answer. You're the solution to a problem that currently exists on the earth. <clears throat> You're called to this. Now the world and the enemy and broken people all going to shout at you, oh, it's no use. You'll never achieve anything. Your efforts won't make a difference. But you are called to do good works. And if you start pressing towards the good, weeks, good works that God prepared for you, he'll start to add to you. He'll start to strengthen you. He'll start to open doors for you. And you'll be astounded at what you can accomplish. Your particular brand of abilities, your unique perspective, the singular opportunities that lie in front of you mean that there are going to be some things that only you can accomplish. I don't know if this message is getting through, but I'm just hoping at least three of you are going to just go, man, that thing touched me. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, when you were created in Christ Jesus, you were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. 
That means the day you said yes to Jesus, it wasn't just to the washing of your sins. God took you and he said, well, we're going to get started now with a thing that I called you to. Because when he created you in your mother's womb, he knitted you together and he built in graces. He put grace gifts in you and built into your personality everything you needed to accomplish the call of God on your life. And so when he created you in your mother's womb, he stirred that up and you were born and then sin took hold and you manifested that. But when you came into Christ, he cleansed all of that and he brought a redemptive purpose and the power of God so that you could walk into the good works he prepared in advance. Don't tell me I'm too broken. There's nothing I can do. I want to tell you by the authority of the word of God that God has a dream for your life and he will not back off the dream because the gifting and the calling of God are irrevocable. He never takes them away. Don't tell me you're too old to get to what God wants you to do because the giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable. Uh, that's why you swing me. Great. You were twice prepared and focused to be part of God's plan in the world. Uniquely gifted for purpose, especially called to help to build the kingdom of God. <laughs> Woo! Just preached myself into joy. <clears throat> so let's talk about your job and the work that God assigned you, because they're not the same thing. There's a difference between your job and your work. Some of them are going to come up here. Because man will assign jobs. You can get a job from a boss. But God assigns work. Is that fair? Your boss is going to go, oh, no, I need you to do this. But, but I'm, I'm actually really gifted at this. Yeah, I don't, I'm not paying you for that. I need you to do this. But I'm really good at motivating and managing people. Yeah, I don't need a manager. I need you to stack these boxes. But stack boxes, that's what I'm paying you for. Well, I can do the job because it helps me pay the bills and I'm sort of addicted to eating. So I'm going to do the job. But that's not what the work that God called me to. Your job is what you trained to do. Your work is what you were born to do. Job is your career. Your work is your life assignment. Your job is your skill. Your work is your gift. Your job is your career. Work is your life assignment. Your job, often unsatisfying. Your life assignment is often passion-inducing. You know, I know when I'm, on, when I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing, everything inside of me comes alive. Everything vibrates with a joy and an excitement. I go, oh, and then I look up, oh, I didn't eat lunch today. What happened? You know, just... It just time, time stands still, joy flows, energizing happens. Your job is dispensable. You know what? If, if your company ceases to exist, you, you won't die. You'll just go get another job. About 40% of people during COVID did this. Got another job, okay? Did that satisfy you? That make the big change? Your work is indispensable. We need you. You can retire from your job. You can never retire from your work. Because <laughs> your work is you. Now, there are some older people in the room who need to tune in for the next five minutes. Because I need to speak to you. Some younger people can join in too. 
When your job changes or ends, your work does not. When your job ends, you oftentimes will find that you have been released to focus on the work that God has assigned you. Please don't stop your job and then die. As many people do. Because your job is not your purpose. Your job is helpful. Your job is good because it affords you an opportunity to exercise the thing that God called you to work. So I would like to suggest to you that when you're in a job that you take time to focus on doing the work that God assigned you within the context of your job. And to the extent that you can do that, you'll find more joy in the job. Use the job to train yourself. Get as much education. Let somebody else pay you to be educated so that you be good at the work God calls you to do. Work hard. Be diligent. Be someone in your job that your company doesn't want to lose. Be good at your job. I'm not saying the job doesn't matter. I'm saying it really matters. But build into the job, the work that God has assigned you to do. Don't be afraid, older people, of changes. Or be scared of younger people taking your position. They cannot take the work that God established for you away from you. Only you can decide about that. You're the only person who can dissuade yourself from doing the works that God assigned here. The God who rewards us all will be the one that we answer to. From him, we'll receive what is due to us. The Bible says, for things that we did in the body, whether good or bad. So I want to talk about this awareness of the work that is assigned. We, we mentioned, I've alluded to it. I'm just going to run through these scriptures very quickly. But I want you to see that, that people that God tended to use had a, had a unique awareness and a, and a real clarity about what it is that God wanted them to do. And that clarity allowed them to, to say firm no's to things that uh, would be otherwise good, but unnecessary for them. So it makes sense. So John 9, as they went along, Jesus saw a blind man from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What a clear, this is one of the clearest demonstrations of man-made philosophy and man-made religion. Here's a guy who's had some detriment to his life, and they go, Did, was it his son or was it his parents' son that, that God got him? Right? What a classic religious statement. Neither this man or his parents' son, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, and while I'm in the world, I am the light of this world. John 17, jump there with me. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me. One of the ways your life can bring glory to God is by finishing the work that he's assigned you. 2 Timothy 4, listen to Paul. Paul has an understanding that he has accomplished the work that God assigned him, and now it's time for him to go home. He said, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the, the victor's crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me, not only to me, but also to everybody who's longed for his appearing. 
Paul says, listen, I, I, I finished. I broke the tape. I won the fight. The referee counted him out. I've cut through the tape. I've fought the fight. I've run the race. I'm going home. Let's take you to Peter. Second Peter 1. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of the body because I know that I'm going to soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. All of these people came to a place where they go, I did it. Checked off. Yep, done. Take me home, Lord. I think that you get to go home when you've accomplished the work that God has assigned you on earth. That's just my theory. Oh, it's because he ate vegetables. No, it's because he procrastinated on the work. <laughs> Last week, we celebrated my grandfather's 103rd birthday. He wasn't there. He died when he was 69, but no, I'm just saying, uh, sorry, I couldn't. Uh, it was such, I, could, I could have driven a bus to Dopey. Sorry, um, that's bad. <laughs> Sorry. Let's look at elements that help us discover our works. All right, let's get into some nitty gritty. Say, Greg, I'm for it. I'm in. You've got me excited. I want to do what God has assigned to me. How do I find out? How do I find out? Well, number one, you've got to go to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit and say, would you lead me? Would you lead me into this? Because being led by the Holy Spirit is an important aspect on how you walk into this. Let me show you this Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason, since the day we first heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Continually, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. That is such a great prayer. Many, many times people come and say, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, this is what Paul said. This is a continuing prayer. I continually pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. And the way he does that is through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. So when, when you start praying, Lord, would you fill me with the knowledge of your will? The Holy Spirit starts to give you wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So that, for this reason, verse 10, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way and bear fruit in every good work. So th there is no mechanism I know of to give you a three-step plan to step into the works of God without saying you need a vital walk with the Holy Spirit. You need to be asking. You need to be asking, Lord, lead me in. Would you show me how? I had an encounter this week. I was, I was going into a store quickly. I just wanted to get one thing and then I was going to be out of there. And as I walked in, there was a guy standing about 20 feet away and he said, excuse me. And I was like, mm -hmm. and he said, do you have any cash for me? And I, and I was like, uh, and I just felt a little whisper from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you do. I was like, oh. So I walked out of the store and I had to change gears. And I go, hey, how are you? And can I go see how many cash? And I go, yeah, sure. And I go, what's the plan? And we and got into a conversation with him. Ended up praying with the guy. He goes, man, I've just I've had such I've had such problems. I've had just mental challenges. And because I've been so struggling with my mind and my thoughts. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you? And 
and then just prayed with him and we trusted and I felt like God shifted something. Yeah. And it cost me 40 bucks because it's all I had, it's all the cash I had with me. And I was like, but I felt like he, he said, amen to the priest, said, thank you. And he took the money and he walked away and I was like, aren't you gonna, like, and he was like, no, I'm, I'm good. Something happened. And I felt like, you know how often I've, I've thought about that little moment, I've gone to the Holy Spirit and said, would you take me through that again? Could you, could you tell me what else I could have done? What should I have done? Is there something else I could have said? Because I'm realizing that if I'm going to start to walk and bear fruit in every good work, bear kingdom fruit, then I'm constantly needing to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I've gone through that and prayed through that and asked the Lord again, how can I do this, Lord? What do you want me to say? Amen? So I just want to say, uh, all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives are going to be absolutely necessary for you and me, for, for us. There's no substitute to this relating to God. We need to be on our faces asking Him. Ask the Lord to lead you. This is a good prayer to pray, Colossians 1. Fill me, Lord, with the knowledge of your will. Now, sometimes I feel clarity. Oh, you should be doing this. Sometimes the Lord has spoken to me clearly. I, so I, I have this assignment for you. I want you to teach my people this. Sometimes I know I, I come with an agenda, not, not my own agenda, but I feel like I've heard from God. I have a work to do and I'm, I'm executing on the work. But sometimes I stumble into the work like that guy. It wasn't my plan. I, didn't, I wasn't aware. So I'm not saying there's one size fits all. You have to know a friend. No, I'm saying sometimes the Holy Spirit will just bounce you into the middle of it and you go, what happened? I've got a work for you to do. There's no, one's not more spiritual than the other. What I'm saying is, sometimes I find myself in the middle of an opportunity. And when that happens, he wants you to bring your experience to bear, and your heart, and your passion, and, and the things that you know. I need the wisdom if I want to bear fruit. So I discussed it with him often. How could I have done this? What could I do better? Whether it's strategic and disciplined or serendipitous and spur of the moment, you and I are called to press into the good works. The Bible says, especially to the rich, can I just say, Timothy says, command the rich, not suggest this to the rich, command the rich to be rich in good works. Second issue is desire. My dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He said, if you will come and you'll be serious and you'll humble yourself and you'll walk in the fear of God and you'll tremble at his word and you'll be specific about working this salvation out. He says, God is going to by his spirit work in you his desire and you're going to start to desire the thing that he wants you to accomplish because God is not, God is in unity. He's not, he's, he's not confused. If you, if you really submit yourself to him and you come seeking him, he goes, okay, that's great because he starts to work in you to will according to his purpose. I was always taught, oh, your desires are evil because who can know the heart of a man? Heart of a man is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? But that was old covenant. New covenant, I've been born again and my heart has been created in the image of its creator. So is yours. 
And the Holy Spirit, who lives in you, by the way, if you get serious about that, he begins to stir up in you desires in line with the thing that God called you to do. And so it, it becomes the very thing that you long for. As Paul said, I went up to the church and I preached to them and he says, the only thing they told me is just, please remember the poor. He says, the very thing I wanted to do. Listen to your desires. If, you, if you're seeking the Lord, not if you, I mean, if you, if you, if you distant from the Lord, don't, don't play with those desires. I'm talking about the ones that you're going, Lord, I really want to know. Pay attention to the desires because the Bible says God is at work in you to desire, to will, and to act. He creates the desire and then he gives you the energy to accomplish that. It becomes such a, like a fire shut up in my bones, Jeremiah said. Ah, I'm going to go do this thing. This supplies both the desire and the passion, the energizing. So when we're diligent and we're respectful and the Lord stirs that in us, I want to say take note of them. So I want to ask you, what do you dream about? What do you fantasize about being used by God? Sometimes I have fantasies about being used by God. I dream a little dream. I go, imagine if that would be so cool. Three, face, out of move. They asked Jesus, what must we do to do the work that God requires? John 6, he said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one. The work of God always, always, always will involve faith. Faith in Jesus is the fundamental need for accomplishing anything that God has given you. And it starts because he's the vine and you're the branch. And he said, without me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much eternal fruit. But if you don't abide in me, you won't accomplish anything. A vital walk with Jesus and a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the basic. Jesus said, these works that I'm doing, this is not me doing them. This is the Father who lives in me who's doing his work. The Father's always working because they were, they were angry with Jesus because he healed this guy on the Sabbath. And he goes, guys, I promise you, I'm observing the Sabbath. I'm not working. But the Father who lives in me, he wanted to heal this guy. So the Father's always working and the Father healed him. So I was just here observing Sabbath, but then Father healed him. Don't blame me, blame the Father basically. And Jesus says, I've got some works for you to do. And if you understand this, you go, Lord, could you give me the energy? Could you give me the fire? Could you show me? Because I want to do the works you want. So it's, it's this abiding in Jesus and our faith in Jesus. If you want to do, what is the work that we need to do? Jesus said, you need to believe on me, number one. Secondly, uh, Thessalonians says, remember before God, we remember before God our Father, the, your work produced by faith. Everything that your faith stirs you to do is a work prompted by your faith. Those are all good. So if you go, oh, man, I'm petrified, but I think I should do this. Yes. Because God's work is by faith. And you can't, make up, you can't make up for unbelief with more effort. Oh, I don't have any faith, but I'll, I'll just give an extra hour's work. God's going, yeah, no, that's unhelpful. Your work produced by faith. And how about this one, 1 Timothy? Don't devote yourself to myth and angus genealogy. Such things promote con controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Can I just say, your work produced by faith, he said in Thessalonians, he said God's work is by faith in Timothy. 
He's not talking about sweat equity. I can't make up for the lack of faith by adding more effort. What costs faith? What are you trusting God to be a part of? What aspect of God is he asking you to believe enough about to put into public practice? That's where the work of God will happen. And then lastly, the word of God. So I can't get on to how do you get into the work that God has for you? Because the word of God will equip you. The word of God is a necessary part of our life. Second Timothy 2, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is something about the word of God that needs to take root in your life so that you can be thoroughly equipped to do the work that God has assigned you. Don't move away from the word of God. Don't let it, let it dwell in you richly. Search it, quote it, meditate on it, sing it, say it, read it, share it. Get the word of God in and around your head and heart because it's live and active and beautiful and will work in you so that you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, a few last encouragements, and then uh, I'm going to get into a time where we're going to worship a little bit more, and we're going to pray. We're going to break some stuff off some people, because that's what it feels like the Lord wants to do today. Second Corinthians 9, God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to make all his grace abound to you so that you, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, can abound in every good work. That means that when you stand here and God says, I will give you every place you put your foot on, and so you're standing here and this is the place that God has given you, and you want to step out there, and you go, but I'm scared. And if you don't take another step, then the only place God blesses is where you're currently standing. Kill. So I don't have enough to accomplish that. Well, if you pick up your foot and put it down there, then God will give you that place. And he'll make his grace abound to you so that you, in all things, at all times, may have all that you need for this good work. There's nothing there. Oh, oh look at that. Oh, oh look at that. And God is able to make all his grace abound to you so that you, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, can abound in good work. And in Hebrews 6, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Let me just say this. Some people have tried some stuff and it didn't work out in the natural. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Some of you have sacrificed and poured out and given, and you gave to something that was kingdom-based, and it, and it took root and did some things, but it didn't accomplish all that you thought it was going to accomplish, and you think that that's a failure. I want this word to resound down the ages and in your ears. God is not unjust. He will not forget. There is not a cup of water given in his name that will not receive its reward, the scripture says. He will not forget. He will never forget. 
Because I swear this to you in all eternity, every cup of water, every time you stepped out in faith, every time you loved somebody and they came back harshly or you gave and it wasn't well received or you served and they took it for granted, every time you worked and, and sacrificed and gave and did something for the sake of our King, my God is not unjust and he will not forget. One of the names of Jesus is the faithful and true witness. And he sees and he knows and he will reward. Can you hear me? Of this I'm sure, God has assigned work for you. And it's exciting. It fits your gifting. It suits your personality. He wired you for it. And I'd just like to challenge you as strongly as I can. If you took the next month and you just dedicated to seeking the Lord, to finding out what it is that you want me to do, what is the work you've assigned me? Because whether you're young or old, God has never forgotten his dream and he's never forgot his assignment. And the moment you turn towards it and said, and you dare to put your foot out, God, you'll find that God will meet you right there. And you'll start the adventure again. So I want to say, give all you can. Pray as often as you can. Love with your whole heart. Serve all the time. Because for all eternity, for all eternity, you'll be so glad you did. A graveyard is such a sad place because it holds the final end. It's the death of potential, of hope, of opportunity. There finally people lay down the last of what they could give. That's the ending. That's their finish line. Whether God gives you 70, 80 or 90 years on this life, you're going to exchange your time, energy, effort, focus for an eternal weight of glory. Every one of us is going to. On behalf of your future self, can I just encourage you this day to say with all your heart, I'm going to expend more energy, time, focus on doing the work that God called me to do. We're going to close with a song that basically says, Lord, send me. And when that song's finished, I'll come back up and we're going to pray for some people because I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But let's worship the Lord together. Won't you join me, please?